Welcome to Bookish History, a YA podcast by YA hosts. I'm Ames. And I'm Anna. Last episode was about Once Upon a Broken Heart. So this week we will be covering a historical topic with me, Ames. What's today's topic, Ames? The eruption that destroyed Pompeii. Okay, so to start, I'm going to give you a little intro of Pompeii. Pompeii was a Roman city in Italy, 14 miles southeast of Naples, which obviously means nothing to us Americans because we don't know where anything is. The city sat six miles from Mount Vesuvius when it erupted on August 24th, 79 CE. The exact month is debated, though. Most accounts of the date come from Pliny the Younger, who wrote a letter to a Roman senator and historian describing the death of his uncle, Pliny the Elder. He was apparently viewing the eruption from across the bay. Terrifying. But some of the ripe fruits found preserves suggest that the eruption may have took place in a later month like October. But whenever it happened, it most likely went like this. At first, it was just a sus-looking cloud. Many earthquakes or tremors started to happen at this time. This is called the Plinian phase. At around 1 p.m., ash begins to fall on the town of Pompeii. Continue layering on everything. Everyone was at this point wondering what was going on, and many people thought it was a sign from the gods that everyone, I guess, was bad and they were getting payback. At 5 p.m., rocks began raining down from the sky, and there was no light because of the thick and pumice and gray clouds. Roofs collapsed at around 11, and a nearby town, Herculaneum, begins experiencing the same thing 11-ish miles away. At midnight, pyroclastic surges begin to happen. These are clouds of rock, ash, and volcanic gas that move across the ground at several hundred degrees Celsius. These surges instantly killed everyone in Pompeii. The corpses preserved under the ash and material for thousands of years. <laughs> okay, let's go rewind a little bit before the eruption, and I'm going to give you some basic information about Pompeii, because you probably know nothing, Anna. Yeah, I know nothing about it <laughs> at all, except from, like, that one Loki episode where they visited Pompeii. That's it. Which, that's a great show. I should watch it. I've never watched that. <laughs> the The reason I was interested in researching this was because of the... When I was younger, I was obsessed with the Pompeii I Survive book. But anyways. <laughs> never read those. <laughs> so, Pompeii and Herculaneum, along with a few other nearby towns, were founded by the Neolithic Campania people. Campania is in the southwestern portion of the Italian... Pompeii sits about 14 miles southeast of the capital, Naples. Pompeii was settled there because of the Sarnus River. The Greeks were just across the bay, so Pompeii culture was influenced by them. However, in the in the 7th century, the Etruscans... I'm not pronouncing anything right... Came to Campania over the next 600 to 700-ish years. King Heron, Heron, the first of Syracuse, destroyed them. Then later, an Italic tribe, the Samnites, which I didn't know about, took over everything. 
Then Pompeii was mentioned in, mentioned in 319 BCE. Then there were some Samnite wars, and then Campania became part of the Roman Confederation. Then, in the Social War, Pompey revolted against Rome with Italy, but they ended up receiving Roman citizenship instead, and everything became Romanized, including the language. It switched from Oscan to Latin. Okay, so that was probably a bit confusing, because, but I just wanted to give you a very general idea of Pompey's culture and history before we got into the eruptions. So, now we're going to talk about what life was like before the infamous boom. Well, Pompeii, but so far what I've gathered is that it was like a volcano that went off and they thought it was like some kind of sign from the gods and that it, they possibly ran or they decided to stay because they thought it was from the gods or Well, something. a lot of people probably ran, but as I told you, it happened within the course of a few hours and people didn't have cars so it's not people were probably more hesitant to get all their stuff and leave just because some rocks were you know raining from the sky but definitely a lot of people did not run but a few people did okay so life in Pompeii people lived based on the rhythms of the sun Obviously, they didn't have clocks, that's what I'm trying to get at. Most houses did not have running water, so the majority of people used public fountains. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Though, the bathing rituals were a bit different than what we're used to. It was more of an experience. So, I'm scared. First were the changing rooms, where people would strip off their clothing and belongings. Then they would enter the cold room, where people would voluntarily enter cold water. <laughs> but thankfully, there was a heated room after that, where people would clean themselves with oil because soap was too expensive. And then after that was a hot bath. To finish off, people would return to the cold room. Ew. And this is all done together. So That's, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it wasn't as weird back then. Yeah, but at least they're clean. Even the poor could enjoy bathing, and sometimes it was free or just cost a little bit to do this. Pompeii was generally a middle-class town, but some people were very poor and others were extremely rich. A lot of wealth came from the rich volcanic soil, which is kind of ironic because it's what destroyed them, um, <laughs> which is what's great for making olives, grapes, fruits, nuts, and grain crops. So they could grow anything. This leads me to what people ate on a daily basis. The rich would die on imported seafood and sometimes flamenco and... What? Flamenco. I love flamingos. Why? <laughs> Why would you eat them? Flamingo, not flamenco. I'm sorry. And possibly giraffe. No! Oh my god. They're... Why? <laughs> For dessert, you might find them eating honey-soaked stuffed dates, and lots and lots and lots of wine. White wine, if you could afford it, because red wine was easier to make. Also, Pompeii had a quite interesting um, preference for wine. I've never had it, so I don't know anything <laughs> about it, but yeah. they liked it to be oxidized, which people nowadays might think that just means it's 
bad like don't drink it but they liked the taste of that and they also mm. had it 40 percent alcohol which is apparently extremely high yeah okay. but we've never had wine so we have no yeah. idea <laughs> um but i had wine jam so does that count? <laughs> i don't think that counts <laughs> in the middle class people mostly ate a variety of beef lamb pork lentils chickpeas and veggies they also enjoyed apples plums figs and various wild nuts pretty tasty poor people mainly ate bread grains local fish olives and sometimes a specialty raw cauliflower Mm. cauliflower i love raw cauliflower what (laughs) are you joking no i'm not joking i love raw cauliflower (laughs) i didn't know people ate raw cauliflower no i do i rarely eat it cooked it's like really good like that just like broccoli it's like different and rich you eat it it's like what it's so good i've never had a raw cauliflower i mean i've eaten raw broccoli but it's like the same thing pretty much okay (laughs) anyways people in pompeii were relatively healthy but I can't say the same about America. <laughs> okay, anyways. We're not talking about that. <laughs> now let's talk about slaves. It is important to talk about this part of Pompeii because they really did a lot in society. Slaves were usually Greek or African and usually could be found working in private households, mines, factories, and farms. They built roads, aqueducts, and many of the buildings in Pompeii. Their labor was used for a lot of things. Their lives were obviously unfair, but their treatment and level of freedom was dependent on their owners. What do you think about that? Um, I mean, it sounds like they had everything, like, pretty good there. Like, if the poor were, like, eating, like, all kinds of, like... I meant about the slaves. But the slaves is still bad, you know? I thought you were, like... I thought you were, like, well, the slaves had it pretty good there. I was, like, (laughs) whoa. Okay, um, interesting though, sometimes slaves were unrecognizable from citizens while at work due to the fact that they wore similar clothes. Simple tunics. Citizens were supposed to wear togas, but most people didn't because it was too much of a hassle to keep clean. Okay, so far I've covered bathing, diet, slavery, and clothing. Before I speak about the eruption, I'll tell you a bit more about the entertainment. People loved going to the amphitheater. There was a massive one in Pompeii, the oldest of its kind in Ro- in the Roman world. People loved gladiator fights. They absolutely loved it. These people were basically celebrities, and graffiti of Victor's names were found around the city. And gladiator fights were basically where people battled each other to the death. And to the death? Yeah. Oh. And or... <laughs> somebody kind of battled an animal and either they died or the animal died so kind of violent yeah kind of violent i mean please if that was if if gladiator fights were like normalized i feel like i don't want to say it but i'm pretty sure people would actually watch it now yeah (laughs) okay so people also liked mythological mythological scenes dramas musical entertainment and comedies people loved going to the pubs and gambling even though it wasn't allowed baddies wow (laughs) pompeii was actually a pretty average roman town until the eruption so the eruption and how we know about it and modern findings is my next section 
Okay, so I did a bunch of research on the different types of volcanic eruptions, but I decided not to include it. Don't cry, Anna. Don't cry. <laughs> I know you're so sad and you wanted to learn oh. about the different kinds of volcanoes, but I'm sorry. I only know one. Like, if it gets too hot or something, it explodes. Lava, ash everywhere. But apparently there's more than that. Yeah, there is. And, okay, Pompeii actually created its own kind of eruption, which is pretty cool. It's called, like, I think Vesuvian eruption. I'm not really sure. Like Mount Vesuvius. <laughs> yeah, it's named after Mount Vesuvius. So you may be wondering, how do we know about Pompeii? In 1599, it was discovered by an architect named Domenico Fontana, who was building an underground channel. Instead of uncovering the city, they were like, Oh, these walls from an underground city is blocking your way. <laughs> and they literally ignored it and forgot about it. So, that's great. But don't worry. In the early 1700s, while building a casual summer palace for the king of Naples, Pompeii was once again discovered. They were like, free stuff! And the royals dug through some of it for decor. Wow. Bruh. <laughs> In the 1800s, archaeologists, <laughs> archaeologists took over and actually started excavating, which is still happening now. So, really? Still? Yeah. It's actually the longest continually excavated site officially since the 1700s. Wait, didn't I just say 1800s? Whatever, my nose contradict. It's around that time. So, the whole thing isn't even uncovered. 22 hectares are still covered in debris and 44 are not, so about two-thirds have been dug up. So far, around 200 bodies have been found. Wait, 200. That's not right. 2,000. I think that was a typo. (laughs) Bodies have been found, and when I say bodies, obviously they have decayed, but skeletons and casts remain. Pompeii is somewhat in danger, though. The city was protected by the ash, mud, and rubble for thousands of years, and erosion and weathering is now seriously harming the fragile city. After all, the walls weren't made to withstand thousands of years. Light exposure also fades art. Excavators are rushing to protect the art using aluminum and plastic and other conservation techniques. I didn't look into it that much, okay, so don't ask. It's (laughs) confusing. But unfortunately, in the past, some of the art has gotten worse because of perspex cases were applied over it, which trapped moisture and damaged the plaster. So, that's kind of (laughs) sad. Over, wait. One of the main (laughs) contributors, contributor? (laughs) One of the main contributors to Pompeii's deterioration. (laughs) Deterioration? I'm having a stroke or something. (laughs) So, one of the main contributors to Pompeii's deterioration is us, Taurus. We walk, we walk, and we sometimes touch things and take things we aren't supposed to. It's not unheard of for Taurus to break off parts of the cities as souvenirs. I'm not surprised, though. I would do... I mean, I would... (laughs) Games. Uh, Last threat I will mention is obvious another eruption. Vesuvius is still an active volcano and has blown up many times since Pompeii. This would not only destroy the excavation site, but at least 600,000 people would have to evacuate. That's right, you heard me. 
600,000 people chose to live near an active volcano. What? And po- Mount Vesuvius is actually, I'm pretty sure, the most dangerous volcano in the world right now just because of how densely populated the area around it is. So, don't worry. We're doing something to preserve Pompeii, though. The Great Pompeii Project, established in 2012, hopefully betters the conservation of Pompeii. And one video I watched mentioned that the new technology allows researchers to make detailed 3D models of the whole city using laser scanners. Pretty cool. This way, if anything was to happen to the city, it would kind of still be there in the clouds. So, to wrap it up, Pompeii is fascinating because it allows people to literally step into the past. And there aren't many people like that. Many places? There aren't many places like that around the world. We can learn about how people lived their lives 2,000 years ago and compare and contrast to our own. Which is why... Pompeii is so interesting, even though it was a tragic scene moment in history. So, now I'm going to cite my sources to sound smart. So, (laughs) here we go, guys. It's a long list. BBC, Britannica, Forbes.com, which had an amazing video that I watched, USGS, Wikipedia, Pompeii.it, History.com, Kiel, I think Kiel, Kiel, University, Fine Arts... Museum of San Francisco, the conservation dot the no the conversation dot com, the Guardian, Western Australia Museum, and CNN. That wraps up today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If we sounded a little tired, it's because Anna is sick. And yeah, I'm not feeling great, guys. <laughs> I'm. I have no excuse, but I'm just tired. Okay, mm-hmm. but I we really hope you enjoyed learning about Pompeii. Hopefully, you'll be inspired to research it more or pay for me to go there because it's pretty far away and planes are really expensive. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening to Bookish History. History. Peace out.